want to celebrate the presence of God. I want to acknowledge that no matter what changes in our life, it is the presence of God that never changes. It's the presence of God that gives us open access in every sphere of our life and walk. And I pray that the Lord will continue to help us. The Lord will continue to be with us. And the Lord will continue to strengthen each one of us. And I pray in every aspect and journey of our life that we continue to be a group of people that are desperate for God. Desperate for God. This morning, I want to welcome every single one of you. We had a powerful time of worship. And I believe during these times of worship, there's something that is going to shift and change. And God is about to do things that are never else seen or heard. And there are lives that God is touching. There are people that God is touching and using in different spaces. And I thank God for every, every, everybody that is in this house. This morning, I want to really quick uh, jump into the message that I have. The Lord has been talking to me. And, and it is, I want, to, I want to communicate that with you. I want to let, you, uh, let our church know. Um, God is actually working in the life of people that we thought will never come to Christ. Let me repeat that. God is touching the lives of people that we thought and we have written them off. But God is actually bringing those people, touching their life. And them, they are being used to impact generations outside. Have you ever thought that Saul will be converted and become Paul? And I mean, it's the same name. But Saul, you know, God took him and he became one of the greatest spearheads for Christian movement in the New Testament church. One of the guys who wrote the most of the New Testament that we come across. We all know about the story. So one guy who said, I will never ever worship Jesus is being touched by God. I know a lot of stories back in our hometown where there is this, this, this um, RSS guy that, um, you know, you know, was touched by God and he, you know most of us know Pastor Ram Babu if I you know we would understand right but he, Pastor Ram Babu was a guy who 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 taught he was tearing Bibles and every uh, uh, Christian articles or materials but God just touched his life and thousands now after his ministry are coming to accept Christ as their personal savior I know a lot of people I know a lot of people whom the communities and the people thought they will never come back to Christ because they are useless worthless they are Satanists and all the given names have been given to them but I, let me let you know that if God wants to attract somebody God will bring that person and change him completely completely if God can make Peter a pastor God can change anybody else here oh praise the Lord hallelujah an unschooled person with no education, no background, Bible helps us to understand, they shook the world upside down, they turned the world upside down, they have no education, no Bible college degree, all they knew and understood was when they walk with Jesus, when they tell the name of Jesus, every other name has to come down and all that they knew was the power of the name and the King Jesus. And that changed everything. What are you ashamed of? This morning I want to encourage our church that Jesus is King. Jesus is king and he is on the throne. He is the Lord of lords and king of kings. He is on the throne. Are you with me church? For the next couple of weeks until Christmas, we're going to dive into this series called Jesus is, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. King of our life, king of our personal life, king over our families, king over our church. He is the king that we adore, we worship. Just before our worship today, um, one of our Jenny sent me a message. Jenny sent me a message and she sent me about an article that is 
that is very popular and, uh, and it talks about that right now in the last two weeks, uh, millennials and, and a young generation has been Googling about Jesus is King on the internet. It is the, the most, the most searched, the most searched word on internet right now is Jesus is King from last week. And that's why I thought this is perfect time for us to, you know, just, just talk about it. Jesus is King and we are Christmas coming up for the next couple of weeks. And the reason why I chose this is based about this one guy named Kanye. Did I pronounce him right? I don't follow up with the Kardashians, nor did I ever, ever, ever understood this guy and never heard his songs. But just last week, he released an album. And after that, a lot of, you know, I'm part of a pastoral group that talks about, uh, they were talking about this entire conversation that was happening. And, and, and we were celebrating not this rapper guy, not this music composer, but we were celebrating the decision that this guy made. And the decision that he made is made people question or understand or ask about on Google that what is happening with Kanye's life? Or what is behind Jesus is King? What is the story behind that? And let me tell you, when I was reading that article, hundreds of people are going back to churches just because of that one album. Are you with me, church? When God changes one person. I think it was in 2004 or 2005. I didn't do my homework right here, you know, looking into the history of this guy. But I think it was 2004 or 2005 when he released his first album, uh, e Jesus? Huh? Jesus. All right, whatever. And he talked about, he celebrated about how he is the God, who Kanye is the God. He celebrated about, he put pictures and posters about how he was the God. He celebrated around that entire picture that he was the most important person. And the picture also denoted that God was the lowest. or the, He talked about God as being the dirt of the world. But when God chooses, there's a total transformation in this guy's life. What I am talking to our church here is, maybe you might think that person will never accept Christ. You don't know. You don't know. That one person, God can change him and change him completely. And that one person will be used by God to touch lives like never before. What I cannot do, somebody else, God is rising up. And that's why I was encouraging our prayer partners this morning from 9 to 9.30. So we were praying. We've been praying for this for a couple of months right now. We were praying, God, touch those lives of people who are in the elite positions. Because we can't touch them. We can't know them. We can minister to them. But there are groups of people that God has been touching. And I repeat this, always be encouraged that you share the gospel to somebody who has never yet accepted Christ as the king of their life because you don't know when their life is going to change, when their life is going to change. And today, I want to talk to you about every hour, every hour. Who owns the time of our life? Who owns the time of our life? Sometimes, you know, I come across people and have this conversation with them. They're like, well, I think my time is ending. Who owns the time? Do you? Our time is ordained by God Almighty. He controls everything. Why do I say that? Because through the Bible, we understand God is the Alpha and the, what does it mean? He is the beginning and the, He, he owns everything. You and me, we might like 70, 80, 90, or 100, 110, 120, 130. How many more years you guys live? We live together. We live in that short span in the Alpha and the Omega who God is. He owns our life. So next time when you have a headache, don't say that, oh, my time is coming to end. No, 
Your time will not come to an end until God decides it. He owns it. So never let the sickness take you outside and tell you, let you know that you are going to die. No, my friend, you're not going to die. Just because you have fever last week, you're not going to die. Praise the Lord. Why am I just talking about fever? Even if it is cancer, don't worry. Your life is ordained by God and he has every single count of your days. When he says only then, only then and until then live your life knowing that God ordains it. God knows everything about it. Hallelujah. Christ, I want you to understand the value of it. Jesus is the king of my time. Every hour, he's the king. I give my hours to the hands of God. Let's read a scripture and I ask Christian to start off with that verse. It talks about Psalm 84, verse 10. Psalm 84, verse 10. talks about better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than... Dwell in the tents of the, of the wicked. Psalm 84 verse 10. Better is one day, one day in your courts than thousand elsewhere. How many of you would say along with David today, God, just one day in your courts is more precious and valuable than any other place on planet earth. I know I've gone back in my church. You know, I've shared the story multiple times, I guess, to our youth group and different places. But this girl, she doesn't have the facility or the freedom to worship God like most of us would do. She's the only one who accepted Christ from her entire family. And they come from a Jain family. And she's the only one who accepted Christ. She accepted Christ, took water baptism, went back home. Her dad beat her up, put her outside. She had to sleep. And we didn't know. She had to sleep at the bus stop. And the next day, somebody called and let, her, let us know, hey, Hey, this is what is happening with this girl. Can you all give her some space to live? And she came back and she started staying with us almost a week or two. And after that, her parents came, took her back. But she was not allowed to worship God. She was not allowed. She was put in a room, a dark room, like almost jailed behind her in, in our own house. And she was not allowed to see the light outside. But there is something. People may shut the lights around you, but there's a light of the gospel that is shining within you. And no power on earth, no power, no person on earth earth has the power to shut the light the fire that is burning within you people may question a lot of things let them question but do you have the light of God shining within your life he owns the time he owns the time. She started praying. Even in that dark room of our house, her dad did not feed her. You know, it was, it was very messy in that entire family. And, and, and she started praying. She started praying in that room. She started praying. And you know what? You know what? After, I think after 40 or 41 days, her dad accepted Christ as, her, as his personal. You know how God works? Do you understand how God works? We think it cannot happen, but God would say, you'd say it cannot. I am the impossible. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. Jesus is king over my time. Can I tell you something? Honor God with your time and he will reward you back. Honor God with your time. Sometimes we are all busy with a lot of stuff that is going on. And I know as a life that we are living in America, we are busy with stuff. They're busy, that engagement, that keep coming into our life, the work and family and social engagements, everything. And in all of that, how do I prioritize and give time to God? When you give God your time, He will honor you and reward you with peace and joy like never before. You can work 40 hours a week or you can work 80 hours a week but still have no joy. Praise the Lord. 
when you give God time, your time, who controls it? He controls. Give him your time. Let him own your time. Let him own your time. He is the king of my time. Everything that I do on a daily basis, everything that I do, I give God the priority that God, you own the times that I live in. That's where I want to go into the next aspect. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You know why a lot of people complain? Because they are not in the presence of God. Because Bible helps us to understand better is one day in your courts. If you're one day, at least one day or one hour in the presence of God, your complaining attitude will change. The reason why our churches today complain too much is because we don't and we don't. Uh, we're not in the presence of God Almighty. We are somewhere else. We're somewhere else. And I want everybody in this room and outside, wherever you are tuning in from, listen to this very carefully. The reason why David helps us to understand better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere is because he understands elsewhere I will keep complaining. But if I am in the presence of God Almighty, he ordains and he takes care. He is the king of my life and every want of my life. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall never be in want. How did David know? Because better is one day in your court than thousand elsewhere. Amen. I don't care about my thousand. If I have only one day to live, I live with the presence of God. I live in the presence of God. My time was ordained by God. In Kanye's song, he starts with every hour. I'm not going to sing it. Some of you want me to sing, right? I'm not going to do that. Every hour. Every minute, every second, Jesus, God owns it. And he talks about, I need you, Lord. A guy who a couple of years ago talked rubbish about God, put God down to the dirt, put pictures up online that shows how bad and evil God is and astray a lot of young generation away from the presence of God. But today when God transformed his life, a beautiful song came out of him. Why he's so passionate about that? Because God changed his life and talks about every hour, every minute and every second. I need you God. I am desperate for you. Oh Jesus. And David helps us to understand. One day in your courts is precious and valuable. It's precious and valuable. Do you understand? Understand the value of being with God's presence, in God's presence, and being operated in God's presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you with me, church? So be a group of people who longs for that, who desires that. Let me help you understand. You know, desperation can open doors that complacency has shut forever. Let me repeat that. Desperation can open doors that complacency has shuttered. And sometimes because we are complacent, we have doors closed for us. But the more you are desperate, doors will be open for you. My question is, what are you desperate for? We were singing those songs, beautiful, like, Lord, I am thirsty, I'm longing for you. You're all I need. You're all I want in my life. I am desperate for you. Is that the song that we sing in our personal life? Is that the song that comes to our mind that when we are all by ourselves and I'm driving on 75 or George Bush all by myself? Is that the song that comes to my heart? Lord, I need your presence and more than yesterday. I am desperate for you. Praise the Lord. I'm very passionate preaching this message today. And from the last couple of days, I have been preparing on this word. Because when I saw 
when I saw this guy's transformation, I was reading articles about it in my, you know, I have a, we, Anisha and I, part of a group of pastors, um, of AG pastors. We, we were around 6,000, 7,000 members in it. And we were all talking on that group. And like, what a passion this guy has. What a passion this guy has. I'm not celebrating Kanye here. I'm celebrating the decision he has made. And anybody who makes the decision to follow Christ, you know what? I celebrate. The reason is heaven celebrates. Heaven celebrates. And I want to see another group of young Kanye's, another group of people who have rejected the grace of Jesus Christ to come and be part of a service like this. Can I tell you something? I will go any extra mile to reach them towards Jesus Christ. Until, until our, our generation decides to say, God, we are desperate for you. We are desperate for a move of God. Let me just quickly go into, into the word that I want to share again. Psalm 122 verse 1. Psalm 122 verse 1. Talks about, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Oh wow, what a beautiful scripture. Psalm 122, Psalm 122 verse 1. It says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many of you really rejoice when you, when you tell them, hey, you know what, I'm going to church today. Hmm. See a lot of people saying today. No, I don't know. Are you with me? Are you with me? Can I tell you something? I know it's on live and people are watching different places, but I'm going to... People don't come to church if they are not invited. In America today, the most number of attendees on a church service, I'm not talking about an Indian church atmosphere, I'm talking about the church generally in America, is that the most number of attendees attend a church on Easter. And churches spend thousands of dollars just on you know, propagating the message of Easter because that is the great, that is like the, 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 the football event of, of, of Christendom. People invite, they go the extra mile. And people, the, the point that I want to make is they, they go ahead and they invite. They invite. When was the last time you invited somebody to church? Let me honestly ask, tell you something. Don't invite people from other churches. Let them worship God there. But there are people in your school and space, wherever, you know, in your workspaces. Invite them. Invite them. If somebody is making trouble in another church, don't invite and put them here. We already have enough trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but invite, invite. Turn to your neighbor and say, invite. Invite. I'm going to tell you something. December 31st, before that, every family bring another family. Is that too hard? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to push our church to do something that is uncomfortable to your own self. Every family bring another family to church for the next eight Sundays of our church. Next eight Sundays of our church. You know, it is going to be specially ordained by God. And I declare in this house that something is about to change. So you come here with a prayerful heart and excited that something new is about to happen. Not what has happened in the past. I put it back. It is yesterday's calendar. I don't live in yesterday's calendar. This is today and there is a tomorrow that is coming. And God wants to do something and things can change only and only if you invite somebody. Only and only if you invite somebody. Whom are you going to invite? Whom are you going to? They may not come. It's totally fine. They may not. You invite and they don't come. It's not up to you. Your job is to, what's the word? 
Invite. Share. Invite. Hey, we have a church service. Do you want to come with us? Come join us. We have a life group happening, small group happening. Do you want to join? Come join. Go ahead. Invite people. And I'm telling you, when you start doing what is impossible to you, God will work on your behalf. Why are we so complacent in a church like this? And I don't want to do church the same way that we have done all the years. And I've told my elders in the church that we are going to do things that is different. Because I want to see people saved. That's what I want to see. If not, I'm going to fold my Bible and do whatever else that God will ask me to do. But I want to see a generation being touched by God. And it can happen if we can come together in agreement. Invite somebody. Are you with me? Yeah. Invite somebody. Rinsi, invite somebody. Ben, invite somebody. Anisha, my wife, invite somebody. <laughs> Pastor Prince, what's the word? Praise the Lord. Let me, let me quickly get into another scripture. You all happy today? Amen. Jesus is king. How desperate are we for God? How desperate are we for God? You know what? Desperate people do desperate things. Let that sink in for a while. Desperate people do desperate things. When was the last time that you were desperate for something? And that pushed you out of your comfortable zone and made you do things that you thought you can ever, you cannot do it at all because you were desperate. You were desperate. You were desperate to make that connection. You were desperate for that relation. You were desperate for that conversation. You were desperate for, a, for some loan. You were desperate for certain things that you did the extra stuff. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's read a scripture here. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. I want to camp there for some time. For the next 10 minutes and after that, worship team will help me. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Desperate people do desperate things. Zacchaeus climbed the tree. Nicodemus visited Jesus at late night. The lady traveled in between, walked in between, or crawled in between a lot of multitude and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. This morning in our Malayalam service, we heard another message where, you know, the, the desperate moment and situation in the life of that young person changed his life. And what I'm suggesting our church to do is when you are desperate, do something desperately. Don't just sit in a corner, I am desperate, Lord, and I keep praying, Lord. No, do something that pushes you out of your comfortable zone. What did Zacchaeus do? Let us read Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter, chapter 19, verse 1 onwards. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector. Good guy. I would love him to be part of our church. And he was wealthy. Wow. Is there any Zacchaeus here? He wanted to see who Jesus was. Number one, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. What a beautiful story here that we come across. That there is this young man, there is this guy who was the chief tax collector. Rejected by people, wasn't approved by people. And people never thought that this guy would have the option or opportunity to sit down at the table with Jesus Christ. People rejected him. But his desperate intentions made him do something that normally people won't do. What did he do? He climbed a tree that he was not, I mean, it was not possible for him to do it. 
Because he was desperate. What's the word? He wanted to see who Jesus. He heard about Jesus. He heard about what Jesus can do. He heard that only Jesus can save his life completely. He heard that Jesus is the great teacher that this land has ever seen. And what he heard, he wanted to see with his own eyes. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing the word of God. When was the last time you heard something from God's word that made you believe in God and pushed you out of your comfortable zones and made you desperate to see what actually the word has helped you understand? Are you with me? When you read through God's word, you read about the healings that happened through Jesus' ministry, the work and the salvations that happened through Jesus' ministry. When was the last time that the scriptures that you were reading came alive in front of you and the, every pages that you were turning, you know, the fresh breath of the scriptures just hit your face and you were like, Lord, I am desperate to see a miracle through my life. Are you with me? Not when my pastor prays, but can I tell you, your pastor doesn't have to pray. When you pray, signs and wonders will happen. Am I prophesying over somebody's life? I think I'm preaching better than you praise right now. When you pray, things are going to change. Are you with me, church? When you pray, why don't we pray? Because we are scared. We're not, I am compelling our church, pushing our church. When you see somebody, when you see somebody who is in a desperate need, push Jesus into their life. Hallelujah. And their life. Am I, am, I, am I preaching today? Am I okay? Doing well? Push Jesus. Their life will change. This guy heard about who Jesus was. He heard about Jesus. He heard all the good things Jesus could do. And he was not satisfied with what just he heard. He wanted to see it. He wanted to see it. And he made sure that his time frame entered the time frame of God. What did he do? That he took and he mapped out the entire journey. And he walked. He trekked. He, he climbed the tree. He climbed the tree. And he was waiting for Jesus. Just imagine. Jesus might have taken 30 minutes to talk to George uncle. Jesus might take 30 minutes to talk to Lali auntie. Jesus might have taken another 40 minutes to talk to Pradeep. Jesus, you know, Jesus is walking on the way and everybody wants to talk to Jesus. And Jesus is walking, right? Jesus might have taken another 15 minutes to talk to Christian. And Christian is like, yo, Jesus, please come to with me. We want to have celebration today. I'll buy you good steak and stuff. And then Ben, ben is like, you know, Jesus, please, you know, you can go only with Christian. I Come with me too. I'll take you to some other good place. And God, Jesus is talking to people and walking. But here's this guy. Who is, because he is desperate, he is patient. He is patient. Now, understand this. In a lot of our settings, people lose out their miracle because you are desperate, but you are not. Are you with me? We are desperate, but we are not patient. Are you patient enough? Does your desperation grow when you're patient? Sometimes your desperation can dwindle and you were like, oh, I don't care anymore. Because you know what? I expected Christ to come in 15 minutes. He is not here. I am living. I have so many work to do. I have to collect taxes from other people. I have to walk around and, and do my business. I want to continue with what I've been doing. No. Zacchaeus thought that Jesus will walk this way and he waited until Christ came. There is something about desperation. You know, it, it pushes you to be in a place. And that's what Biju Uncle was preaching this morning. And this is almost a third or fourth time when, when he preached about something that I had to continue on in our English service. It's 
such a Holy Spirit leading, I would say. And then, and then it talks about, you know, when you're desperate, you need to patiently wait because you don't know when your appointed time comes. Who owns the Kairos moment in your life? It is God. So when God wants you to be desperate, be desperate and wait for him patiently. He will come through. He will come through. And you see Jesus walks through that path. And Jesus comes there, stops there. And I want to read that portion again. Luke chapter 19, when we were reading. Um, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm reading verse 5. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus came down, invited him to join him. Invited him to join him. Can I have the worship in behind me? Invited him to join him. The, the, the point that I want to make here is Christ is inviting us today. Jesus is inviting us today. And each of us understand this very carefully. Jesus is inviting us today. I know a lot of people and everybody here in this room are saved. You're being saved. But here again, I'm giving a salvation message. The reason is because we need to experience this once again and day to day, every moment of our life. And this is why I proclaim this word once again, that Jesus is inviting us again. Zacchaeus was desperate. He was patient. And at desperate moments, he did what is desperately needed at that time. Jesus said, come down, come down, come down. I need to come to your house today. Oh, Jesus, my house is now clean. I have all filth in my house. You know, the tax money, the extra tax money, the cheating that I did, the money that I gathered and squandered from other people. Lord, everything is on my dining table. You know how some of our dining tables are? It's all messy, right? And Zacchaeus is like, Lord, please don't come to my house now. My house is messy. It's not kept clean. It's dirty, Lord. My life is not good at all. My house is not good. Jesus only asked him one thing. I'm coming with you. People around Jesus stopped and said, Jesus, are you real? Do you really want to go to his house? Who's Zacchaeus' house? Do you really want to go to Zacchaeus' house? Why? There is Peter's house. There is Luke's house. There is Matthew's house. There is Louis' house. There is George's house. There is uh, 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 Prince's house. There is George's house. There are so many people. There are so many people. Lord, you can go to any other house. Why do you want to go to Zacchaeus' house? Kanye's house? Zacchaeus' house? Why, Lord? Why? Jesus said, I want to come to your house. I want to come to your house. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus. Took Jesus to his home. You know the transformation in desperate moments when you meet with Jesus, the transaction that happens in your life is never seen elsewhere else. Let me read that. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to the guest of a sinner. That's what people will do. But don't focus on the, the crowd. We listened to that this morning. Don't hear from them. The crowd will never make a way to heaven. It is Christ. Don't follow the crowd. Follow Christ. He owns our life. Verse 7. All the people saw this 
and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, listen to this very carefully. Look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, listen to this very carefully, understand this. Today, salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who was lost. That's simple. That's the gospel I had to preach today. The Lord had put into my heart to preach that message in a church where I have all my people who are already saved. But my message is, Jesus wants to come to your house. You might have taken Jesus to your house 20 years ago, my friend, 25 years ago. You gave Jesus good biryani back then. He wants to come to your house again. He wants to come to your house, your life again. A fresh touch of God. Am I desperate? Am I desperate? One encounter with Jesus, your life will change. You are no longer the old Justin. You are no longer the old prince. You are no longer the old Lou. You are no longer the old person. You become a new person in Christ. What did Zacchaeus do? He gave away what he cheated. He emptied himself at a point saying, The Lord, all I have done before you, I want to just get rid of that. I am a new person. A new person. Can I tell you my church? There are many others in our communities who wants to hear the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Understand, when we sing those songs, let's rise up in God's house again. Understand, Jesus is the King. He is the Lord. Lord, I need you. All the days of my life, I need you. I need you, Lord. Because Father, there is nothing else that is compared with your promise, your presence. Lord, I need you. I, I need you. Every passing hour helps us reflect on the goodness of God. Jesus owns every, every hour. Let me read this one thing that I have written it down. The purpose of God will only find their rightful place once the presence of God has the importance in your life. Let me read that. The purpose of God will find its rightful place. The purpose of God will find its rightful place once the presence of God has the importance in your life. And today, I want us to focus on, Lord, I need you more. I need you, Lord. I need you. I want to see you. I want to know you. I need you, Lord. You're all I need in my life. When the worship team helps us to sing those songs, the offering buckets will be passed on. Go ahead and offer your tithes and offering. But after that, after that, I want you to surrender yourself in the presence of God and ask Lord, come with me once again. Come to my home once again. Come to my life once again. And I need you, Lord. I need you more than yesterday. I need you, Lord.